Pages of Pim Better Podcast. Greetings, Voyagers. Welcome to the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. This is episode number 135. The day of recording is Tuesday, November 19th, and this was recorded in Chelsea in Manhattan on the west side. My guest for this episode is Aranza Rodriguez. She is an incredible visual artist who has some really cool stuff. Please go to the show notes for this episode and use her website as a companion piece for this episode because we're going to talk about a lot of pieces and you really need to see what we're talking about to have it make sense for you. But she's done everything from drawing to weaving these structures with uh, with thread that look like these really cool DNA strands. And then she's had a bunch of pieces that we talked about where she embodied the art and became the thing that she was doing. That'll make a lot more sense to you when you hear this conversation. But she's really incredible. Sort of weird, but like there's this strange Buddhist theme that's been weaving its way into these last few episodes. And it's kind of following me through life right now. So I think that's a, a sign or a symbol that I need to pay attention to because it came up a bunch today uh, in a really cool way. So I really enjoyed this one. It's a long one for you. So I'm going to keep this intro nice and short. But like I said, please go to the show notes so that you can follow Aranza on social media and check out her website and see her amazing art. Also, if you want to support the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast, you can do so on Patreon. You know what Patreon is. I don't have to explain it to you. It's a subscription-based service where you can give monthly, and that'll keep these episodes coming. So that is patreon.com slash the Voyages of Tim Vetter. All right, folks, we are just going to jump right into this one. Enjoy this conversation with Aranza Rodriguez. Well, first of all, thank you. This is really cool. Your space is cool. I know you wish you had more art up, uh, but I appreciate it, and I appreciate you letting me come here into your artistic home here, so thank you. No, thank you so much for reaching out, and like you've traveled so much and met so many artists, and you reaching, reaching out and telling me that, that you wanted to talk to me means a lot. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, we were just talking before this about work and all that, so... There's something about artists that I'm super jealous of. There's a freedom, and we're going to get into this in a little bit because I have some, some uh, questions about like identities and realities that we'll put a pin in for a second. But I think there's like a freedom to live outside of conventions that you get a pass on if you're an artist that like I can't do. Like you see how I'm dressed right now. Like I can't show up to work every day like that. So I'm really jealous of people who are super creative uh, because I think I'm creative in some instances, but like not with like making things with my hands, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I understand. And um, I'm going to start with negativity. And oh. everybody's like, where's the positives? But I mean, something that we do have to have in mind, like, yes, everything you said, like the freedom to like 
wear what you want and create what you want. I mean, but also like in all that, like in the life of an artist, there's a lot of question marks and incertidumbre. How do you say that in English? A lot of uh, uncertainties. uncertainties. Yeah. There's a lot of uncertainties, you know, like the money always fluctuates. Like there could be maybe like three, sh three months where like you're packed with shows, you know, and studio visits. And then there can be months where you're like not selling anything, not showing anywhere. And worse of that, worse than that, there are some times where you're not getting creative at all. Mm. Like, you're like, oh my God, like what should I do now? And Ooh. so, yeah, there's a lot of freedom, but there's also a lot of counterparts that come with it. So you go through like a writer's block at times? Yes, Artistic of block? course. Yeah, I think we, we all do. And I hear that a lot from people that are not in the arts, you know, that are more like into cor in, in corporate or whatever. Um, I hear that a lot. It's like, oh my God, like it's so great that you're, that you're an artist. Yes, I love what I do. I wouldn't change it for anything. I came from corporate as well. I studied media advertising and then oh. my life took me to the arts. So... Yes, it's great, but there's also this other part that is not that easy, and it's very, very scary. And I think that everyone, I mean, I don't want to speak for everyone because every, every head is different, but I think that if, if we want to dedicate ourselves to the arts or we want to like change careers, if we think about it deeply enough, we wouldn't do it. If I had thought about it, for maybe a little bit longer than I did, changing careers, I would not have done it. Wow, that's like... I'm so happy that I did, but <laughs> it's hard. That's really honest. I, I think I brought this up with Michaela recently, where I was like, is it possible to be an artist in New York, in, in New York City in 2019? Like, how do you afford this? Uh, so that's an honest perspective that I think is... Uh, I don't know, that's actually kind of sad. I mean, it's not sad, it's true, mm. you know? Like, I've been very lucky, very fortunate in the way that my art um, career has evolved. You know, I have a really supportive family. Um, Let's bring this a little closer. I'm so sorry, yeah. It's okay. Like, I've, I've, been, I've been supported. I've mm. met a lot of people that have given me opportunities as well. Like, there was a time in Mexico where I, did, where I was selling. Um, my grandma died and left me a little, like a little sum of money, you know, like, I mean, that's not fortunate that my grandma died, right. of course, but, um, but yeah, so there's a lot of things that I, that made, made this possible. Um, wow. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, I think I was trying to think back on when I had sort of discovered you. I'm like always on the lookout. How for, did you discover me? <laughs> I, so I, th I think this is, is the root. Like I'm always on the lookout for like people doing interesting things. Um, obviously there's an abundance of artists in New York City, but I'm always looking for people doing something different than I've had on and then like people from places and cultures that I haven't represented yet. I think it was, did you do something with the library? I'm doing something with the library now. In Queens? Yes. Okay, what's that? Because I think that's how I saw you really that's so interesting on the internet somewhere because i have because that happened like two months ago like so recent i mean that's uh -huh. around where yeah, that's probably when i messaged around you. when you messaged me but how do you find me through them i don't know i go down these like like we all do i guess on like late at night like a rabbit hole in the internet where you follow one thing to the next thing to the next thing and then you're just like how did i end up here so yeah. I think that's the path that I took. That's so interesting. I thought you would have told me like, oh, well, I like followed someone on Instagram and because Instagram is huge right, yeah. right now. 
And yeah. I, closed, I closed my social media for the whole of last year, which that's also like a little topic that maybe we could... You took a break. I took a break from, from Instagram for a whole year. Not a break, a detox, Whoa. I think. <laughs> yeah, which is a break, right? But, um, but yeah, so then it's, it's so curious that you found me through Project Art. That is a project that I'm doing in the library right now and not through like Instagram or my website or... Thank you, Project Art. <laughs> I'm like a, I keep talking about this lately, I'm like a huge proponent of the library. It sounds so silly, but like, and not to say like I'm a socialist, but if there is anyone out there that thinks that like socialism or social functions could ever work, I think the library is like a really good example of that. It yeah, it's like, okay, we're, we're paying tax money to something that can keep you educated for the rest of your life and books are free. I think that's pretty amazing. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What do you, like, what's that project? So Project Art is an artist residency. Um, the long story or the short story? <laughs> yeah, whatever you think. So when I was graduating, um, and I knew that I had the opportunity to stay one more year in New York City, because mm. I have the, the OPT visa, which is a visa that permits every international student oh. to stay one more in New York City. Yeah, so my time is a little bit counted right now. Wow. Unless I decide to go for the artist visa after this year or get married or I don't uh. know. Or like, you know, I don't know what's going to so happen. So if anyone's out there and looking. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, like it's my, my time is very, um, it, 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 is, it is a little bit, it's, I don't know what's going to happen after June. Wow. Right? So when I, but when I, last June that I knew I had the opportunity to say one more year, I'm like, okay, what am I going to do this whole year? You know, I have to find like maybe a job, maybe a residency, something that, that like could help me not only like stay in New York City, but would, that would make my time like legit. Because it's super easy to say like, oh yeah, I have a studio in New York and I do art. No, I needed something like a little bit more grounded. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So... I um and and also my 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 family has been amazing amazing in my in my in my my path as an artist they have supported me so so oh, that's so much. awesome it took me a while convincing them that I went to, <laughs> to grad school but it happened and now since I had this opportunity it was like okay yes like we'll help you out but yeah like you need something legit behind that so then I was like okay I'll work for a gallery or I'll work for an artist or I'll find an artist residency that would be long enough until June. Mm. Like, it sounded kind of impossible to go after an artist residency. But then, as you say, like, things appear in the internet when yeah. we're rabbit-holing. <laughs> and, um, and I found this project called R Project Art that consisted in giving after-school after art programs to kids. But you had to do, like, that oh. half-time, and then half-time you have to do your own practice as an artist in the library. Okay. And it's only 13 artists in New York City. And I saw it and I was like, oh my God, this is until June because it's linked to the school calendar. Okay. It's until June. I'm going to be giving back to the community, working with children. So that means that I'll also have teaching curriculum in my CV, which that's amazing. Mm -hmm. um, I have to do my own practice. Like it sounded like a dream, like a dream. And I was like, 13 artists, this is going to be so hard. And I got accepted. Wow. Okay. So yeah, project, project arts is amazing. And it's not only in New York City. It's in a lot of different states around New York. I wish it was in Mexico. I wish, I wish Project Art happened in, in many, many other places. I've seen your Insta stories with the students. It's really yeah. cute. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> it's fun. I've, I, think I've, I think I've learned, I've been learning more than them, actually. Yeah? 
yes, it's super interesting to be, be, I mean, I don't have children. I don't want, I don't know if I want children. I have no idea. But just being that close to, to children that often and seeing how their creative minds work and seeing some of them with like amazing talent and it's, it's really Really and, and noticing that I'm more patient than I thought I was. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll test you. Yeah, so that's project art. If this is something that you can't talk about, I totally get it, but um, is that visa process difficult or even guaranteed if you were to apply for it? Um, as an international student, it's quite easy to get it, honestly. Okay. It's like just like everything that it's like bureaucratic, it takes a long time and more because we... We're immigrants and mm. our president doesn't really like us. So all that process it just became a little bit longer right. than before. But it is a visa kind of easy to get. Okay. The, the OPT visa. The artist visa, it's another story. It's a little bit more difficult because it's like you have to get together like a bunch of papers, you have to have publications, you have to have shows, like Okay. It's a little different. And, and there's also like more money involved. It's a visa that is a little bit more expensive to get. The OPT visa is not that. It's kind of like a right that you get as an international student in the United States. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what I was thinking, obviously. Like that, you know, I'm pretty sure everybody's aware of the fact that immigration right now is pretty difficult, but especially from, from Mexico. Yeah, no, no. And, and also when I got accepted in Project Art, my visa hadn't arrived. Whoa. Yes, and it took ages to arrive. So then I received a mail, an email from Project Art, and they were like, dude, we love your profile, but if your visa doesn't arrive, like, we're so sorry. We have to find oh. someone else. Oh, my oh, God. So you were fortunate. Like three weeks where I was, like, dying. So you were born in Mexico City. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So early in life, um, if you look back on it, like, what do you think your, your early forms of, like, artistic inspiration were? Things that you were drawn to? I could, I could accept that I've been creative all my life, since I was really, really young. I was always super curious, like, dangerously curious sometimes. No? I, liked, like, I loved, like, sneaking into places. Ah. And I was super curious of, like, what would be like being an adult, you know? And, like, what's this? And, like, I always, like... like questioned my, myself since I was really, really young. And, um, and in school, I always drew. Like, always, I always, like, next to my notes, I was always drawing. I had, like, a lot of drawings, like, broken, broken teared down from, like, teachers in my school because I was drawing and not putting attention in school. Uh-huh. So I think I've always been creative. And I chose to study media communications, focus in advertising, because I thought that it was a place where I could put more of my creativity into without studying art. Because I, I was that kind of person that was like studying art, like what does that even mean? Study philosophy, study art, like what is that? Like that wasn't even in mm. my spectrum. Now I think completely the opposite. I think that we need more people doing yeah. that and the society and like supporting those careers that are not corporate oriented, you know? But back then, since I didn't know anything in high school, I was like, no, 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 like not even, I didn't even think about studying art. So that's why I thought that it was a place where I could like explode my creativity the most. Mm -hmm. I am like incredibly ignorant about Mexican artists, right? So I think like probably most people like Frida Kahlo, right? Like everybody knows Frida Kahlo. I know one. Um, I saw in, I have here in my notes, 
maybe it was in Navigate Between Worlds, but you referenced Mexican artists who had an impact on you. Yeah, in an um, interview in Mexico. Did you see that, or where did you see that? Oh, I went... I, when we talk about rabbit holes, I go down them. So oh we, I've, I've scoured the internet for oh you. <laughs> um, can you maybe share who some of those people are so folks who are listening can go check them out and be inspired sure, as well? Sure, sure. Let, let me tell you something before we carry on. I yeah. talk a lot. I talk a lot. So oh, if you good. feel that you this have is, to interrupt me to carry podcast. on with the other... If you, carry, if you feel that you have to interrupt me to carry on with the next question, please, like, you can rudely do so. Oh, this is what we do here at... Like, I really don't... TV, TV Industries. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's perfect. Um, yeah, so I'm a huge fan of Pedro Friedeberg. Pedro Friedeberg, um, he does a lot of geometry. He's very into sacred geometry as well. Mm. He's very mystical, astrology. I had the amazing fortune to meet him before I came to New York City. He came to my last solo show in Mexico. I almost died. He bought, he bought one of my pieces. I'm not going to brag. I'm just going to talk about it. No, you should brag. Um, and yeah, I, I super love... I, I think I loved Pedro Friedeberg even before dedicating my life into art. He's very psychedelic. I think, I think his manager opened an Instagram for him. So he is an Instagram. Okay. Pedro Friedeberg. It's a little bit hard to... I mean, you put it in Google. I'll put it in the notes too. People can find it. Thank you. So I I loved his his art for many, many reasons and many, many layers. So he has been a a great inspiration for me um, a a long time. And I mean, of course, we know Frida Kahlo and I admire Frida Kahlo because of not only her work. Yes, I love her aesthetics. I love her themes. I love the feminist artist as she was, like feminine artist and, and, and feminist artist, mm. you know, because she represented um, femininity, femininity in a way back then where women's, women really didn't have a, a voice in Mexico, you know. So I love Frida Kahlo for a lot of, a lot of reasons, but I also admire a lot Diego Rivera, Mm-hmm. Who, who was her husband. I mean, and there's like, there's their love story. People say that Diego Rivera was a, an asshole with her and he treated her, like, I'm not going to get into like their personal life. We're going to talk about art here, not dramas. <laughs> we love talking about dramas. Um, but I love Diego Rivera, R- Diego Rivera's work. There was an amazing show in Mexico um, and it was a back-to-back Diego Rivera and Picasso. As I told you, we're not going to get in the dramas of life because it was also an asshole to women. Diego Rivera yeah. as well. Like, we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about art, okay? Which I do think everything influences art, but we're not going to go, like, that deep into a subject. We want to keep it, like... That's fair. Narrow, right? <laughs> but I saw that show. It was an amazing show. I think it was super clever putting them back to back. So all this that I'm saying is basically to... Um, am I really close? No, no, you're good. It's to yeah. say that like, Diego Rivera is like the Mexican Picasso. Okay. Because of his techniques and what he did and the, the murals that he did. and So I think Diego Rivera was also a, a great artist. And these two artists are not Mexican, but I think they build their career in Mexico. And I admire them profoundly. Is Leonora Carrington and Remedios Baro. They were two... Um, two Span- oh, Leonora Carrington was English. She was in Spanish. And Remedios Baro was, was from Spain. And they built their career in Mexico because it was when... Sorry for my history. I'm not really good at this, but they were they came to Mexico as refugees. Oh, they okay. Built their career there, and they're two surrealist, sur- surreal painters. Cool. So they were like friends with like um, Dali and Rene Magritte and all that like oh, surreal cool. 
Man Ray and like all that surreal realm. So I could say, I don't know, I could tell you many more. No, that's great. Um, like when you, you mentioned that like when you were a kid you were doodling and like driving your teachers crazy. Was there a theme with that? Like were you drawing elephants or were you like, was there like a kid thing that you like to draw? I, you know what's, what's funny? I, I don't really know how to draw like um, realism. I know how to draw geometry. I've always drawn geometry. Okay. So it's funny because in project art, going, tying it up to project art, I'm making a series of paintings as my personal practice in drawing art that are really similar to the drawings that I was making in not even high school, in elementary school or, or before that. So I did a lot of circles. There was a time where I was obsessed like with mushrooms and with eyes. I mean, I was too young to be doing drugs. I was going to ask, were you doing psychedelics? <laughs> no, I was super okay. young. Wow. I was super, super young. Um, but it's so funny that how I'm drawing right now is really similar to the way that I drew back back huh. then. So the way that the, the, the teachers, I drive them mad, not because I was, not because of what I was drawing, but because I was drawing when I was supposed to be. No, you're good. I'll adjust this from time to time. Where, where do you think that comes from then? If you were to, if, if you were too young to be drawing mushrooms, like how was that in your head? Oh, because we, we all the time like reborn. Okay. <laughs> no, we're, like, we have to, my brain's going everywhere because this is awesome. This, there's, this, that theme has been coming up over and over and over for me, and I don't know why. But like, I'm starting to believe in signs, and it has to mean something for me. Uh, I don't know. But okay, that is interesting. <laughs> I mean, I just said it out of the blue, but I mean, if you really ask me, why do you think I, I was drawing? I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm a huge advocate for rebirth and karma. Like, I do believe that we, that the talents that we have nowadays and the abilities that we have and even where we're born comes from a thousand decisions that we made beforehand. Wow. Yeah, so in a way, that's something that we can feel amazing sometimes for what we do or who we are, you know? Like, oh my God, I make art, I'm so good at this, I'm so good at that, I'm a professional swimmer making like all these Olympic medals and an, am an amazing artist that I'm having like all these shows, I'm an amazing, build, um, um, amazing finance guy that's making millions of dollars. Like we can feel proud of like a lot of things that we've worked for as well in this life, I'm not gonna lie, I'm not saying that everything's just like this divine like breath that we like, like receive out of nowhere. Like, yes, there's a lot of things that we, that we build out of um, work and out of study, out of research, after, um, out of dedication. But I also think that a huge, huge part of that is what we've been building life after life. So if we feel very amazing for a lot of things that we have right now, we, we have to remember that it's, it's not us. This comes from like way, like a thousand people before us, you know? Whoa. So I think that that's something to, I mean, if you believe in reincarnation and all those stuff, because I know it can be like super tricky and super cuckoo, but I, I think that I'm like, okay, I know how to do this. This is amazing, but I know how to do this because there was someone before me and someone before me and someone before me and someone before me that mastered this technique. I like that idea. <laughs> We're going to stick with that. You mentioned um, geometry and you mentioned sacred geometry and I always say this when I have an artist on, people should at this point like pull up your website, 
as a companion piece to the podcast so that you can see specific <laughs> things that we reference. Okay. Uh, I think that's sort of Im- important because obviously most art is visual and you, you're all listening here. But you have a really cool uh, project, or maybe it was even part of your thesis, that was fractals. Uh, for people who, who don't know what like, the concept of sacred geometry is or what you're talking about, can you explain that? Yeah, of course I, I, I'll explain that. But let me just correct you on something there, which is perfectly fine. Sure. Um, no, the fractals came way before my thesis. Whoa, okay. Yeah, my thesis is the project that I created all through last year, and the, fract- the fractal is dead, in a way. Whoa. Yes. So, like, I'm not doing fractals anymore. Okay. I haven't closed the social media on fractals because I think that would be, like, being a little bit too harsh. I would draw something based on fractals. I'm going to explain what fractals is in a sec. Like, what I mean that it has died, like, I was too harsh, no, like, I'm, what I want to say is that I think I'm somewhere else right now. Okay. And we'll come back to like what am I gonna do with like that stage in my life with the geometry? But Whoa, basically, interesting. <laughs> basically, um, a fractal is a hole by itself made out of a lot of different holes that are the same as that hole. It's kind of weird to wrap your head around that, but for example, if um, how can, I, how can I explain a fractal without having a picture of a fractal? Am, am I wrong to say almost like when you're a kid and you look through a kaleidoscope or like one of those, uh, what were those things where you'd get a book and you'd have to stare at it long enough till the image appeared? Like those are sort of geometric patterns. And it, has, it has to do with, like, like for example, let me, let, me, let me confess something. I mean, it's not a confession, but I, to, if, you know, if, if you see what a, what a fractal is to its core... I didn't do fractals. Okay. I did art inspired by fractals because, ev- so, so it's a hole created by little holes that are the same to the to the holes, mm-hmm. right? So if we're gonna, if I create this star made out of little peaks, like every peak is the same as all the other peaks, and then when you when you look at it, it's so hard to explain a fractal without without a, without a. Well, am I am I correct in saying with like? With the idea of sacred geometry, if people have seen the movie Pi, the Darren Aronofsky yes, film, yes. that there, or like Fibonacci sequence, yes, there, there's a mathematical yes. formula to a lot of things in life that we wouldn't maybe think about consciously. Yeah, and fractals and sacred geometry are super tied up because at the end of the day, sacred geometry is all the rules of nature discovered by a lot of people who study them. Let's just mention the most famous one whose name is Leonardo de Pisa, known as Fibonacci. Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm a nerd. <laughs> no? and, um, and he, Fibonacci was the one who created the Fibonacci, the Fibonacci sequence, just zero, one, one, two. Like, the point of the Fibonacci sequence is, a, is the first number summed with the second number, and that gives you the third number. So zero plus one is one. One plus one is two. Two plus one is three. Three mm-hmm. plus two it's five, you know? So that is, that is how the, the Fibonacci sequence is made and the Fibonacci sequence can be eternal as long as you keep adding. So that's a, mathematic, that's a, ma- a mathematical formula that applies to everything that's organic in the universe. Organic made by nature, made by God, made whatever, whatever you want to imagine, but it's not created by humans, you know? So that formula and many other formulas in sacred geometry, for example, the, oh, I don't know the name in English, I should, but the El Código Aura, 
the aura, the aura sequence, like, ah, I don't know. But it's, well, there's many, many formulas in sacred geometry that apply exactly the same formulas to everything that's organic mm. and natural in the planet. So a seashell, a hair, the, the, um, the DNA, um, a tree, like everything is, the stars is like the same um, sacred geometry applies to everything. There's amazing documentaries about that. There's a, a documentary series in YouTube called Inner and Outer Worlds that explains the fractals really, fractals and sacred geometry in a really cool. I'm going to check that out. Way, yeah. So my art is fractal inspired. So why? Because I'm I'm not that much of a badass to create exact fractals out of. Oh, oh no, that's sorry. That's not what I meant. That almost that why would be insulting. That's not what no, I mean. I mean, uh, like why has this inspired you? Like why was this an inspiration for your art? So. Um, it started, like, as, as I told you, you know, since I was really, really young, I always drew geometry, and I became obsessed with this star figure. I don't know why I became obsessed hmm. with it, but I drew it a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, I, I started, like, filling pages with this um, kind of pattern, you know? And then when I started showing it to people, people were like, oh, my God, that's a fractal. And I'm like, what is a fractal? So I started looking into like, what was a fractal? And I discovered like all this universe of sacred geometry. And I was like, oh, that's so interesting, fractal. So I guess I guess I do, I do fractal. So it was more people telling me about my art and me researching more into my art. And that's how like I started building. And that happens to me today even, you know? Like I make something and people are like, oh, that's that. Or, oh, you should read that. Or you should check this other artist, you know? And I feel that as artists, we grab inspiration from everywhere, which we have mm. to be very respectful. And it's tricky because it can, it can jump into the line of sometimes copying, you know? So we have to be very respectful. But I think that it's amazing to find inspiration and influence from a lot of things when people give you opinions about your art. It, it, am I correct then in thinking it was more innate? Like you were just doing art and that came out. Yes. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Whoa. Literally. Have you done psychedelics? You know what? I've never done psychedelics. And I hate saying and admitted that because I wish I had done, but I had a problem in my head and then I could never, I, I, it's tricky. I can't, it's very dangerous to do psychedelics. I did a lot of weed and a lot of MDMA and that like messed up my brain. I was in two psychiatric hospitals. I mean, I could tell you wow. my whole drug story, but we're not going to talk about that. And um, that's that's why I never did psychedelics. Okay. You mentioned DNA. So one thing that I like to do is, uh, and some, it's, it's hit or miss. Sometimes I'm really, really far off. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, I got it. But I like to interpret people's art and kind of like, pose the question to them. Um, you, I have this here in my notes too, the, the thread that weaves us uh -huh. is your project with string. Yeah, it's my, that's my thesis. That's your thesis. Yes. Okay, so that's what the book is. Uh -huh. And you have some pieces here and they were, they were two things I thought about but when I looked at it, I was like, oh, like it's almost an allusion to a DNA strand. It's, yeah, yes, yes, yes. It's, it's, there's similarities into it. Okay. It's not it's not on purpose, but yes, I've heard I've heard that before. Okay. Yes. Cool. Because then on the flip of that, right? So it's funny because 
I'm looking at that like that's a life-giving thing, huh? DNA is the building blocks of all organic life. But then at the same time, it also looks like a binding structure. Like some, it could be like someone tied up or like boots or like, like the back of like, like a corset or something like that, which are all restraining things. So simultaneously, I saw it as DNA or potentially a restraint. I, I mean, wow. that could be far off, but uh, that's what I see when I look at it. I love that. You, you, you just gave me something that I could like look at it like, cool. more deeply, like res restraining. Yeah. Of course. Which there's like another side of it that I can tell you that, oh yeah, it can be restraining, but also it could be like tying. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, you're okay. Um, <laughs> did it work? It doesn't work. Oh yeah, yeah. No, this um, happens to me too, and I'm gonna leave all this in there. But sometimes we talk with our hands and then we forget. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it's it's cool to have a microphone. <laughs> I, I I'm, I'm like the kind of person that like grabs always my imaginary microphone. That's not good because this one. makes a lot of people really nervous when we sit down. Yeah, it's not a normal way to talk. <laughs> I know. Which I think it's cool. Cool. So, um, I mean, it can, yeah, you say like restraining, yes, of course, but then I can tell you, yeah, but it's also a thing that like binds us together, mm. you know? So, yeah. That's what I gathered from the name too. Um, but yeah, I think that's really cool because it, not to say it's simple in the sense that like it's got to be really difficult, but there's a simplicity to it too um, that I think, this maybe sounds super cheesy, I don't know, but it like sort of forces you to interpret it because it's not so obvious. Like if you look at, I don't know, if somebody does, like there's a skinned knee over here from your friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and not to say that they're like, oh, that's very simple, but like I think I get that right away. Whereas if if I'm looking at the string project, so again, folks on the website, go check it out, uh, it forces you to sort of interpret it. Um, if that makes sense. Maybe I'm, I'm so happy sense. that you said that because in school, I mean, of, of course in school, the teachers had to be harsh on us. Of course, because it's the way that we learn, you know, like mm -hmm. like nobody was going to come in your studio and say like, oh my God, this is so beautiful. You're doing amazing. No, as an art teacher, you have to go in and like sometimes play the devil's advocate and like push us to become better artists in a way. You know, that's a tough part of art school. You're kind of signing yourself into like getting your ass kicked constantly and being like a little bit depressed because like it's, yeah, it's no, never I, like, oh, it's sense. so beautiful. They're always gonna tell you things to, to grow. So in my, in my annual review, when I had like all my work in my studio, something that I, that I heard, it was like, I mean, those are not the, the like textual words that they use, but the way that I interpreted, interpreted it, was um, this is this is too beautiful? Like it's so aesthetically beautiful and compelling that it's hard for me to go a little bit more deep. Mm. And I was like, whoa! So I mean, so that means that I have to like tie it to a pipe or like throw paint on it or like what does that mean? You know? I mean, it's a great question because it made me think and it made me challenge. And that question is what's leading me right now to explore with other materials. That's why, as you can see, which I don't want to show this work still because it's super in progress and it's just experimenting, but that's why I'm, well, yeah, I've shared some stories on my Instagram, I'm not gonna lie. But this is why I'm like starting to like put paint on them and, and just experimenting a little bit further than only using the, the thread. But just to like go back to the fractal a little bit, when I started grad school, 
the 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 mentor that I had back then, she was like, no more fractals. Like you're gonna have to put this in a drawer because I really want you to expand yourself out of it. So mm. I put the fractal in a drawer, which was super painful at the time because I had been doing fractals for nine years. At the end of the day, the fractal and my fractal portfolio and the, the work that I did um, was what brought me to New York. You know, so I'm like, okay, so they worked out in this way, you know. But here in New York City, my my mentor was like, no more fractals. Like, you have to be, like, do something not only, like, different than fractals, but try to do things that you've never done before. And that's why I got into performance work and into string work. But it's curious because even if I could say that the fractal is in a drawer right now, which I have plans for the fractal, but I don't want to talk that much in depth, but I'm in depth, but I'm thinking about creating a, a clothesline with it. And that's something else. But the point is that people look at all this. As I tell you, I took ages to get into a point. That's no, okay. Um, we do tangents here. It's okay. <laughs> so. People look at my string work right now and say, that is an evolution of the fractal. Mm. It's hard for me to see it, but people see my string work right now and they're like, wow, I love where you took the fractal. And I'm like, wow. Or for example, the drawings that I'm doing now at the school, my geometry drawings. The other day I, I, I posted one and somebody um, wrote, oh my God, I love that the fractal is back. And I was like, it's not a fractal, but, <laughs> but I love that you see it as a fractal because yeah, it can be like a, like a fractal in a way. So even if I see it like, if it, even if I see my fractal stage as something that has stopped in a way and I'm doing new things right now which honestly I think that if I never had come to New York City I would have done that jump um, I see it like as, as totally different I, I kind of like the idea that people do find still a thread that we've seen all <laughs> what are your thoughts on aliens <laughs> because the reason I ask that is fractals remind me of like crop circles or ancient symbols and people think that like I don't know, some people think we were like seeded or uh, human evolution was propelled you know if you watch those ancient alien shows and stuff like that uh, but that's also what like looking at sacred geometry makes me think of what do you think about fractals man I can't I can't talk about all my friends I will be telling on them so you <laughs> so you do um, yeah of course I believe in aliens are you kidding it's a huge universe like we don't even know how many planets are out there now if the planets if, if the aliens are like already here amongst us I mean I could say yes how to prove it I have no idea but yeah I do think that there's way more intelligent like more intelligent lives out there that have been like even like studying us I, I heard the other day that someone said that if um that if aliens were already with us they would have already ex like extermin exterminized us yeah I've, I've heard because, that because they would feel like the challenge you know unless unless they did seed us and we are like their their offspring now I mean that could be also a, a possibility but then there, I would not be with you only because I believe in a more like Buddhist approach. Oh yeah, we're gonna and get then into that. That wouldn't like work. Let me put a pin in that for a second. Put a pin. Because there, there's there's <laughs> something I want to bring up before that. Uh, once I you know I saw that you were at the library and I was googling your stuff and I was like, oh wow, this is awesome. Uh, I saw this selfie project. 
which I thought was really cool and unique. And I'd love you to talk about that, how you thought about it, what it is. Again, people check it out on the website. But uh, how did this come about? So when I was um, facing that challenge, really at the beginning of my first year of grad school, where my mentor was like, I want you to experiment something else. I want you to get your hands dirty. And I was like, OK, great, let's, let's experiment. I had the idea of the selfie project years ago in Mexico. Mm. But I had the idea of this project as of a Halloween costume. So I love Halloween and I love dressing. Oh, yeah, I saw that. So I was like, wow. like and. Again, making huge stories about like a point. I know, and it all started because I was in a in a Halloween party one day, and I saw some. I hate looking at people that are not dressed up in Halloween parties. It's something that makes me mad. Uh-huh. Like it's a Halloween party. Like we're all here dressing up for each other, and you just like decide to come here without a costume. Like what's wrong with you? It's embarrassing for some hard. people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 right? So then I saw, I saw a person without a costume in a Halloween party, and I came up to that person, and I said, like, hey, why are you not dressed up? <laughs> I'm terrible. What were you dressed what? up as? I don't remember. Okay. I don't remember. I think I was dressed up as, as, as the Oscar figure, but as a woman. You know, so, like, the Oscar figure is, like, the, like this, like, strong man. Okay. So I, like, painted all myself, like, in gold, and, like... Whoa. But like, yeah, so I was like the, the Like a female. boxer almost? Huh? Like a boxer? No, no, no. Like, you know, like, you know, like the Oscar of like the nominees, like the... Oh! <laughs> Listen, when you first said Oscar, I was thinking Oscar the Grouch in my head. Um, yeah, yeah, okay. Like the, the Academy Award thing the you're Academy talking about. Academy Award, <laughs> yes. All right, okay. So it's a man. Yeah, know? I got you now. And I was like, oh, I'm going to dress up as, a, as an Oscar, but a woman. Okay. Like a curvy woman. And gotcha. I had like a, like a, I had so you're like all gold. I was all gold, like okay. literally with like a, yeah, and I, there was a sign in my back that said um, that the Oscar should be a Latin curvy woman, something like that. Cool. So the point is that I came up to this person, I was like, what are you dressed up as? Like, why aren't you not dressed up? And the person a- answered me, I'm dressed up as myself. Yeah, that's what people say. And I loved it. It was like, great. And then I was like, oh my God, what would it be like dressing up as yourself? And I like stayed thinking about that. And one day I was like, imagine if you took a selfie. And that selfie, you made it into a temporary tattoo. At first, it wasn't with tattoos. At first, it was like I was thinking about doing like a dress with it. So I take a selfie, I print it like on a dress, and then I take a selfie of the same dress with my selfie, and then I made a selfie with it. Like it's like this, like inception selfie. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. So at the beginning was clothes, but then I found this paper to make temporary tattoos with, and I like super fell in love with this paper. That is super toxic, of course, because you're tattooing yourself with ink from your printer. It's yeah. not like the healthiest thing ever. <laughs> I've gotten like terrible rashes from really? it. Really? But for the love of art, we would do whatever we want, you know? So the point is that um, I, I, was like, I was like, I'm going to tattoo myself with myself and do, and do this. And at the beginning, there was like... So the selfie project is a project that evolved a little bit by itself. It's not like I sat down and I just planned it all in my head and I was like, let's do this. No, at the beginning, it was just like... I'm going to present in a class just like a series of photographs of me like at, at the beginning with like a white top and then me with a white top and like the picture of me on me and yeah. then the picture of me on me on me and then the picture of me on me and the, like I presented in class like all these like pictures of me getting filled up with tattoos of myself and like that was a first stage you know and then I had the opportunity to go to to Art Basel and I was like, 
wow, like what if one day I, I just decide to go to the, to, to the fair just like full of, the, the, of my tattoos? So I put like a top with, uh, without my shoulders, I tattooed like, like oh, half of my, my chest and my neck, and I went to the fair like that. And it was, it was just like an idea. Mm. It was just like, let's just do this because, bah, you know? I took the, the, the tattoos to Miami. I had an amazing boyfriend at the time. Austin, if you're listening to this, you're amazing. But yeah, he helped me a lot with that project at the beginning. So like, he helped me put all the tattoos. I went to Miami and we went to the fair. Remind me that, I'm so no sorry. Way. No worries. We went to the fair and, um, and it was incredible, the experience that we had. In many levels. Was everyone like trying to figure out what, it, like getting close and like looking to see what is this on you? I mean, at first is a person like full of tattoos. And that's always, even if it's super normal right now, in like this era, it's still like a little shocking to see. I didn't have the tattoos on my face, but I had like okay. all my neck and my, and my shoulders. And it, it almost looked like you didn't have clothing on. Oh, but that was like the next, that was, later. That was the next step. So the first time that I did it, it was just only my, my shoulders and okay. the neck. So I did that and the reactions that I got in the fair were extremely interesting. And I was like, wow, like this is something good to explore. How did people respond? So it was, it was funny because I was, I was thinking before arriving to the fair, I was like, I mean, what's the worst that can happen? My parents are here in Miami with me. They know about my project, you know? So it's not like I would freak them out if they saw, like they're super aware of my project. The friends of my parents, like they know that my parents have like a little crazy daughter. So like, it won't be like that shocking if I saw like mm -hmm. a friend of my parents. So I was like, who could I find in the fair that I would be very like ashamed of myself if, if he saw me like that, like full of tattoos? And I was like thinking, I was like, nothing. There's nothing that can go against me right now. I'm super empowered. I'm going to go in this fair because there's nothing that will feel me feel like a little bit insecure. I was entering the fair and the first person that I saw was my ex-boyfriend from high school. Whoa. Yes. It was crazy. Jose, from Mexico? This. Hello. <laughs> yes. Whoa. From Mexico, I had like all my high school, I had um, an, uh, an amazing boyfriend and then like we lost communication or any, any, anything. And then he saw me, he saw me like entering the fair full of tattoos and his face was like, he was white. He was like, he was like, oh my God, Aranza, like what did you do to yourself? <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 they're fake, it's an art project, it's an art project. And I said hello to him and like we had like a little chat and like that's it. But it was so funny because I was like super empowered, like what can make me feel and then, like, you, you, you think about that, right? Like, why would I feel ashamed of him seeing, seeing right. me like this? Like, what do I have to prove to him or to the world or to anyone? Like, so it makes you question yourself, you know? So that was, like, my first piece of material to, like, explore. That's funny, too, because that's almost the opposite of a selfie. You want everyone to see the selfie. But right? now that you're covered in selfies, you feel weird about it. Because they're tattoos. But uh -huh. also tattoos are a mark of individuality that we're shouting our uniqueness mm -hmm. out there, you know? So that's, that's, that's what I like about the Selfie Project, that there's a lot of tangents to explore. Like, my dream would, is to, to write, um, write a little thesis, not a little thesis, a huge thesis if I could, about the Selfie Project and, like, all the explorations that I did with it and all the things that I questioned with it. Because I've been posting a little bit about, a, a little bit about it in my social media. Like, I post a picture and I post a thought, you know? But, like, making a whole 
book with like all the different because the project has a lot of different tangents you know from like the pictures itself the tattoo itself and then like all the part that I did in art fairs like walking around with tattoos because that was that was art uh, art basel with the tattoos but then I decided to go almost naked to the other art fairs and then I decided to interview people like in my last my last fair that I did was freeze london and I I was like, it's not going to be only with a selfie stick taking pictures of myself. I'm going to be talking to people and interview them. So when I, I, saw, I saw someone like really shocked, I came up to them with a selfie stick and I was like... like Are those on your YouTube page? It's in YouTube, yes. Okay. Yes, it's in YouTube. Cool. But you know what? I did something wrong with that, with that video that I didn't link it up to my YouTube channel. So it's like in YouTube, but not in my YouTube channel. Okay. I'll try um, to link to it. And we'll... honestly, honestly, I have to say right now to the world that I didn't want to like put it down and put it up because it already has a little bit of views. And I'm like, oh, if I get it off and get it up, I'm yeah. going to lose all my views. I understand that. Super vain, but also super necessary. <laughs> I mean, I hate it. I hate it. But let's accept that. I mean, that's another topic by itself. But I mean, it even happens to me. Like if I go into someone's profile, there is something about the followers that pushed me to follow them, which I think that's disgusting. Because makes now people can, seem legitimate. It's kind of, horrible, yeah. because now we can buy them. Yeah. But there is something there, which, I mean, I'm going to accept that I do fall, fall in it, you know? It's like, I mean, if the art is amazing, the art is amazing. If, if, if the art is, uh, but like it has a lot of followers, and I've, it's horrible that we find legitimacy in numbers. But well, anyway, this is the reason why I didn't take my video off and pop it in my own YouTube channel because I already had like views in there. So was it not, you know, when I'm looking at it, I'm thinking first, and again, obviously, like, I guess it's open to interpretation, but I'm thinking it's a commentary on like selfie culture. It is. Okay. It's a commentary um, about selfie culture. It's a commentary... um, What is the thin line? And this is a question that I asked a lot of people in the fair. What is the thin line, or is there even a line, between narcissism and self-love? Like, how can we divide this? Mm. You know, how can we look at this? And how can we give ourselves self-care without crossing the line of, I'm more important than you? That's a really cool question. You know? So that's what, it, what, that's what the Selfie Project explores. And then there's a lot of tangents into the Selfie Project. I made, like, inspired in this, um, in, in the same project, I made, like, my own self-portrait, not using my face, but using... Using like a like a fake lamb in a golden cradle oh. with like my uniform from my old school wrapped in the cradle and crashing a mirror. So like I did like my own little self portrait about I did my little self portrait of how I felt when I was growing up in Catholic school. Which I now I have a lot of love for like that stage in my life for the nuns for my friends for everything like. I feel that now I kind of like evolved over it. But in, in the time, like growing up in Catholic school, I was super frustrated. I was a rebel. I hated. I was like very... So I decided to create my own self-portrait of that time. And why of that time and not now? It was because that's linked up to the tattoos. My first way of... My, my first way to show my individuality when I was 14 years old was to tattoo myself. Because I put bracelets, and the school was like, "Take off those bracelets." I did my, I, I painted my nails different colors. You can't have, you can't have your nails different colors. I dyed my hair. You can't dye your hair. I made it. A, 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 I, I did a, a tongue mm-hmm. piercing, and they, they saw it, and it was like, ah, you know. So I was like, oh, just let me be myself. Which now, as an adult, I'm openly saying that you don't need anything outside of yourself to be yourself. But when you're growing up and you're trying to find an identity. Until I was like, hmm, 
something that they're never gonna be able to take away from me, it's a tattoo. So at 14 years old, you give yourself like a stick and poke? No, I went to oh. the tattoo parlor, said that I was 18 years old. Mexico is really easy to do things <laughs> illegally. <laughs> and I got a tattoo. Whoa. And it was a revolution, you know? So for me, tattoos were, are a form of expressing self-identity. And that is why I love tattoos so much. And that is why the Selfie Project starts with tattooing myself on myself. So that self-portrait that I made of the lamb and the cradle da, 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 is tied up to that part of my life. And then that project takes to another tangent of the selfie project that is, I made my own selfie uniform. So my uniform is orange, my uniform used to be yellow and gray, like yellow and gray squares. And I created my own yellow and gray uniform that it looks really similar to like the fabric. But if you look closely, it's all myself. It's all myself. You like aligned together, and then I wanted to do this fair that is called Salon Acme, Mexico, which is a, is a it's, it's an important fair. I I sent the submission last year to do this project there. I wasn't selected. I've been four years trying to be in that art fair, and I have not been Aww. selected, which is okay. It doesn't matter. But I I, th- I I I I was like I told the guys in Salon Acme like, hey, I would love to do the selfie project in Salon Acme as a performance in the fair and be walking around the fair with my selfie uniform. Because if you see that uniform in Mexico, you know that it's my school. Okay. It's a really preppy Catholic school in Mexico, Instituto Mexicano Regina, that is very well, like, you see a girl with a uniform, like, oh, Chica del Regina, like, girl from, you know. And don't get me wrong, I like, I, I loved a lot of things about my school. I didn't like a lot of things about my school, you know? And something that I'm afraid of that project is that I don't want it to be, I don't want to insult like the nuns or I don't want to insult like Catholic religion, although it can be very insulted because of many reasons, but um, I just want to show, that project is to say like, we have to respect ourselves as individuals. We have to respect children when they are growing up with their own ideas, with their own idea of gender, with their own idea of individuality, with their own idea of race, with their own ideas. We have to make it open. And Catholic schools in Mexican society don't enable that. And I think that's terrible because then a lot of people grow up frustrated like me and fall into drugs and then they have to do art to get out of drugs. No, just kidding. I was just... Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. Like... All right. Did it... Did it end with a real tattoo? Yes. Okay, that's what I thought. Yes. So I was doing all these projects, you know, like the fairs and then the, the cradle and the uniform and la la la. And like I was doing like all these things. I was also working at the same time in my other two projects that, if there's time, we'll talk about them, but it's my De la Married to Arte, like the gallerist project, which honestly, we're not gonna talk about that because I did a promise to myself that I'm never gonna talk about that project. Because, I'll cross that out. Because no, the no, la mer, yeah. like, like I and it's, I say it right now, it's the only interview where I'm going to mention her. Okay. She is a whole thing by her own. Like I never want to be related to her as Aranza making the la mer. You know, like I want her to like be her own thing. So if someone one day wants to interview me about the la mer, I will be like, you have to interview the la mer, not me. Whoa. No, that makes sense. <laughs> because, know? and again, go to the website and you'll see what we're talking about. Yeah. Okay. And then Green Tara was my other project. So I was working in those three projects. In, in, in I'm going to bring her up in a minute. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. If that's okay. But the tattoo. How I came to that. So I was failed in my first year of grad school. Oh. 
So everything that we're talking about, that the selfie, blah, 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 doing all this, this exploration. Can I interrupt you for a second, though? Hmm? Can I, can I ask a, how do you, and maybe I'm just ignorant to it, but isn't art incredibly subjective? How can you fail at a creative process in someone else's eyes? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> now, uh, that answers my question. I mean, that's a tricky thing with art school because... I mean, there's people that like the Fast and the Furious. <laughs> That's a form of art, I guess, but like, uh, you know I mean, what I mean? And I mean, honestly, we can go deeply with whatever we want. I mean, I think that if you, I mean, and this is gonna like take the value of maybe a lot of things that are not art, maybe, but if we want, if we sit down in front of the Fast and the Furious and we wanna look at it with deep eyes, I bet that we could write like a whole dissertation about it. Well, that actually kind of sounds fun. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I think it's worth like analyzing a lot of different things, but I do think that the world appears in front of us depending like what's what we have in our mind and what we're interested in, you mm -hmm. know? But like society like puts things in boxes of like, this is shallow, this is not entertaining, this is da, 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 you Yeah, know? you're right. That is like a whole different thing. So yeah, the point is that I have, I had a mentor my first year of grad school, which I profoundly admire. Things didn't end up that well at the end. Um, And yeah, she failed me in my first year of grad school and for me was super traumatic. Crushing, yeah. Crushing. Now I feel that it was one of the best like gifts in disguise that life could give to me. Oh. It was amazing that that, that happened. But in the in the right at that time it was horrible because it Because of many things, of course, you're, you, you failed your first year of grad school, you know, like, just to start with that. And then you start thinking about it, it's like, oh my God, I managed to put like all this money together to pay for grad school and I literally bought myself this ticket of failure. And I have mm. to go back to Mexico with this ticket of failure that I paid for, you know? Yeah. Oh, it's a little bit, it's horrible. And then also like, oh my God, what am I doing? Do I need more death? Da, da, da. So the fact that she... That the fact that she um, that she failed me. There's something that I, that I that I that I said wrong. So I was doing a lot of projects based on the Sophie project, and then she failed me, and that gave me the opportunity to dig deeper into the Sophie project, and that's when I analyzed why the tattoo, why the uniform, why you okay. know. So I so a lot of like other tangents of the Sophie project came from that from that failure, you know. So in a way, she was giving me like a second chance of like you have to go deeper in your projects. This is not enough. And she was so, she was harsh as fuck. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sheila Pepe. I'm always going to be grateful. <laughs> um, but the point is that, um, so I had a second opportunity to present my work. And they were like, okay, you have a month and a half to present your work again. Um, this is also like a parenthesis that I'm going to make. But a lot of my, a lot of the, a big factor, um, fact that she failed me for as well, and we'll go back to that, is because she said that my Green Tara project was cultural appropriation. So Whoa. that had a really strong, that was really strong in my, that was like a big factor of why I was failed as well, because she said that my Green Tara project was cultural appropriation. But we'll go back to that. Yeah. The point is that, but the point, is, the, the point was that you have a month and a half to present again, and in, like for, just choose one of your characters. Go deep with Green Tara, De La Mer, and the Sophie project. And, I knew that she hated Green Tara, so I was like, I'm not gonna go deep in, deep in that one. The Lamer is like a whole thing by itself, like let's do the Sophie project. So that's when I decided to like go, go to town with the Sophie project. And uh, I was like, how am I gonna present this? And then 
because she was all about like you have to be more real you have to go more deep you have to make this more meaningful da, da, da. and I was like how can I make the selfie project more real and that's when I was like man if we're gonna if we're gonna really be doing this of like looking at ourselves looking at ourselves looking at ourselves how are we gonna analyze this like I'm gonna I'm gonna tattoo my selfie in my arm for real so now I have my 30-year-old self in my arm, and maybe Whoa. if I'm lucky enough to be 70 years old, I'm gonna look at my arm, I'm gonna see my 30-year-old self in my hand, that it, that it was when I was 30 and I came to grad school and I was failed and I did this project. And so like this tattoo means a lot of things, but the point is that the way that I presented my final project is, they told me like, this, this day at this time, we're gonna come in your studio, you better be ready, and you're gonna present to us your work, right? And I was like, okay. And I, you had to like write a little artist statement. And the artist statement, I wrote that I was gonna do the performance. And I was like, I imagine they're gonna imagine that it's gonna be me again, full of the tattoos with a selfie stick, taking selfies of myself, how I've done it in the different art fairs, blah blah blah. And no, what happened is that when they came in my studio, like of course, like around my studio, I had like all these pictures of the documentation that I did in art fairs. I had like in the in the corner the self portrait of like the sheep and the golden cradle. And like I had like all this like um, setting of all my projects, and in the middle it was me with a tattoo artist, Bal, who is amazing. I owe you some beers, by the way. <laughs> I've been saying that for months now. Um, so I found I found Bal. It was crazy how I researched who was gonna be the guy that was the guy or the woman that was gonna do my selfie in my arm. Like that was a whole process by itself. Um, so when they entered the studio, it was me sitting down with a real tattoo artist doing my selfie while I was oh, taking, taking a selfie of myself. And I planned it in a way that when Sheila and Mark Trive, Mark Trive was the director of the MFA in Fine Arts program, Sheila was my mentor. When they entered my studio, like I, I, I was like already halfway through the Whoa. tattoo, which was risky because I was already about to like flunk art school. And in the rules was like nothing with blood, nothing with fire, and I'm like, Nothing with blood, nothing with blood. I'm gonna be working with a lot of blood in my studio right now. And I was like, you know what? Like, I, like what? Like, what's gonna happen? Are they gonna, if they're gonna fail me because I'm gonna be working with blood in my studio, I'm already. So, what was there? Did you pass? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Of course, <laughs> of course I passed, yes. Well, it's cool too because, like, you know, uh, a tattoo, when you have it done, is in the perspective of the viewer, right? But yours is truly a selfie. Like, you would see yourself. Uh, almost mirror image back at you, right, in a selfie. And so, like, yeah, if you look at your form, it truly is like a selfie image. It's not for the view. It's for your view. Yeah. Like, if you take, a, like, the pictures, I don't like putting that much pictures of, like, my arm mm -hmm. in social media because I look completely deformed. Like, it's a tattoo that you have to what? see in real life. If you take a picture of it and you put it up there, I look, like, with a huge forehead. Like, it doesn't look good. <laughs> okay. Really, like, there's something, there's, it's made in a way... I mean, not that Bal planned it that way. I don't know, but like, it's made it. It's made to look look at it in person. In pictures, like it doesn't look. Yeah. Okay. That, that good. That's fair. I mean, and I also like heard a lot of the rumor of, oh my gosh, she passed her first year of grad school because she did a tattoo in her studio. That's so easy. Of course, she was gonna. Pass. Is it so easy? Like, who else? Who else? <laughs> Is it okay? Then go out and get a tattoo of yourself on yourself. <laughs> Everybody start doing it. I mean, what is I mean it? is that I don't think it was. Honestly and proudly, I think it was not the reason that I passed to my second year of grad school. You know, I think that I worked my ass off and I did go deeper in my project as Sheila told me. And I think that there's a lot of things that I learned from this experience. So it was not only like 
being like a super, like being super courageous and doing the tattoo, a tattoo of my face and my arm. Like I don't think that that was the only reason I, I passed my second year. You know, like I think that I that I did um, work my ass off. And then when they reviewed all my work, they were like, okay, we have to go 20 minutes and like discuss, and then we'll come back and tell you like if you passed or you didn't pass, right? So my soul was bleeding more than my arm was bleeding those 20 minutes. And when they came back in my studio, they were like, so we decided to pass you and but, and I'm like, what's the but? Like I have my, my face in my arm. And but um, you have to do a summer residency to, and, and create a whole new group of work to decide if you're gonna go to your second year of grad school. Damn, art school is cutthroat, huh? Yeah, and then I was like, Ah, because I had like already like all these plans for the summer, you know, and and I was like, Jesus, okay, let's do this. So then I did the summer residency, and then that summer residency was when I came up with all the idea to do my thesis work. So at the end of the day, we really look into it. Every fucking shit that happens to us. Sorry that I'm swearing in your podcast. No, you can swear. Okay, everything that happens to us. It's an opportunity to evolve. And if we look at it with the right eyes, as hard as it looks, it helps us to leap forward, you know? Because what, what I could have done is just like, I don't know, take this in a really, really negative way and ruin my life for that year. Because I'm not gonna lie, like I could say that the, the second most difficult stage of my life was when they told me that I had failed. Like my first one was when I overcome like all my drugs and like that was, it, was, was this 2011? You wrote about this recently. Yeah. Yes, I did a post in my in my in mm. my, oh my God. I love that you're so up to date with my art. This is my job, you know. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. I super appreciate that. Really. Um, so yeah, that was 2011, and then I could say that my second like hardest stage in my life was when I when I was about to flunk art school. Mm. Yes, so it was super, super intense. And, and I think that I was able to like flip it around, like flip it around, and I'm proud to say this, I flipped it around amazingly. I was like, me la pela, güey. Sorry, that's a significant, like that's a saying in Spanish, but it's like, like, yeah, like you're doing me a huge favor, you know? But it was hard. It was just not like I woke up like that. Like, and then that's where the Buddhist center comes in. I was able to like overcome all that because of my Buddhist practice. All right, so let me, okay. I'm going to transition this into Green tar Tara, yeah. if we can. Okay, so this is the second thing I saw. Uh, and these are sort of like, again, initial thoughts around like the artistic process of this. Uh, first, you look like a Hindu deity. Um, so, all right, like... Let's pause on the appropriation because how do you appropriate a god? But okay. Um, I had seen that you were Buddhist. Buddhism comes out of Hinduism. It's almost a reaction to Hinduism. Uh, or not almost, like is essentially. Um, and like you're out in New York City. You're on subways. I was also thinking, maybe it's a bit of a stereotype, but you confirmed it a bit, that... Uh, Mexico is heavily Christian. You know, it's not traditionally a Buddhist country, although obviously Buddhists can be from anywhere. Mm. Um, so I was thinking about that. Like, where, how does this, where did she come across Buddhism? And all, so all these thoughts. So I know that's a, a loaded, that's not one question, but I guess maybe sort of the genesis of this project um, and how much of, of 
Tara is Aranta. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, we're going to talk about Tantra right now. Cool. Um, so again, um, I, I started studying Buddhism around like four years ago. Of course, like the way that I've been studying Buddhism is what, how I feel is that every time I've been doing it, I'm more, like more deeply and more deeply and more deeply, you know, like you, you first like put your, the tips of your toes in like this ocean of Dharma and you like slowly start to like sink a little bit more into it, into it, into it, right? So when I, when I started um, peeking myself into Buddhism, right from the start, and there's a lot of influence of my cousin here, Eduardo, who I love, because he's, he's a hardcore Buddhist. Um, cool. And he was, he, I, every time I had a problem in my life, I always called Eduardo, and Eduardo, Eduardo like got me out of the problem like in two seconds, you know? And he invited, invited me to some meditations and all that, and he's the one that showed me Green Tara for the first time. And since I, I, I saw the image of Green Tara, and it completely, like I completely connected with that image, and it super blew my mind. Like I was like, I don't know, I just loved her. And then my cousin explained to me that she is the only Buddha that has one, one foot outside the lotus because she's ready to take action. So Green Tara is the mother Buddha, the mother of wisdom and compassion. And I mean, I can, tell, I can, I can talk a lot about like, all the metaphors around Green Tara and how did she appeared and all that. But the point is that I connected with... I connected with that Buddha. I could say that it's like the first Buddha that I really connected with. I mean, of course, there's like Buddha Shakyamuni, that is the Buddha that we all know, like the typical one with like the robe. And in, in Chinese um, culture, he's like a little bit fat. And there's different kinds of Buddha as well. Green Tara, this female Buddha, I connected with her. And um, I, I, it was the first mantra that I really learned. Om tare tu tare tu soha. So I just started like exploring a little bit. Like the first meditations that I did, it was with her mantra. And I loved all the concept around Green Tara, a woman with a, with a foot outside the lotus, ready to take action. And uh, again, Halloween came up. And I was like, what am I going to dress up as this Halloween? And then I was like, I'm going to dress up as Green Tara. So I... And I was like, and I, I take very seriously dressing up. I love it. I noticed. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love it. How did you make your skin green? Oof, hours. Hours of painting. Mm. Hours of painting. So I was, I mean, it was October. I arrived to New York that August. And um, there's a lovely lady called Tere that comes um, once a month to help me clean my house. And I had just met her. To help me do deep cleans. Don't think that I only clean my house once a month. Although my parents would think that I do only clean my house <laughs> once a month, but no. Um, and she, um, and I met Tere, which I think she's awesome. And I asked her, and I was like, hey, so do you want to help me out getting all myself green? And she was lovely. And she was like, yeah, sure. So she came over to my house, and I showed her how to use the body paint. And like she, she, she told me that she studied a little bit of like styling, so she super helped me how to do like the boat, like the bun, and it was amazing. Like, Tere made like the first green Tara costume, like, and and she did an amazing job. So yeah, it was like seven hours putting all this green paint, the bun, and then that day I, like I yeah I just went to the subway and I walked in the streets and then, again like it was. It was an exercise, you know, because the whole the whole point was like, if I'm going to be a Buddha, of course I didn't, I don't drink that much anyway. But that day, that night, I was like, I'm not gonna drink at all. I'm really gonna try to have 
a mind of a Buddha. Mm. What is having a mind of a Buddha? It's super hard. One, because we are super deluded with a lot of thoughts. But like, what if we try to have a mind of a Buddha? And I think the way to accomplish something is trying, right? If we want to be enlightened, we have to try to be enlightened. It's not like it's going to happen one day. Even if we beg it for a life, we have to do the work. That's the difference between Buddhism and Christianity, for example. Mm. You know, in Christianity and in Catholicism, we beg for like God's mercy, mercy upon us. And I think that there's something interesting in there, you know, asking someone for help. And Buddhism is like, I am doing the work with, yeah, with like a whole like army of Buddhas, which at the end of the day, a Buddha, the difference between a Buddha and a God is that Buddhas are just enlightened minds that that just like made it before us, you know? So, and yeah, like why are there famous Buddhas? Why is Buddha Shakyamuni, Green Tara, Manjushi, Dorha Shukden, Avalokiteshvara? Like I can tell you like <laughs> about like a lot of Buddhas. No, there. I'm into it, that's cool. But um, why are there like different Buddhas? At the end of the day, they're different Buddhas. It's not like they're like these famous people that became enlightened. No, like the Buddhas, at the end of the day, just, they just represent different qualities that we use to meditate in. So if Green Tara is the Buddha, of wisdom and compassion, and she's feminine, that means that when we start doing her meditation, yes, we're gonna feel a little bit more cared of because she's a woman, she's a mother, but we're gonna still work with a mind of wisdom and compassion, doing her mantra. I mean, and there's, it's like a whole course in meditation, how to like meditate on Green Tara. But then there's a way to meditate in Avalokiteshvara, who is the um, male um, Buddha of compassion, you know? So when you start doing Avalokiteshvara meditation, you learn how to tune into the mind of compassion, you know? And there's, for example, Dorje Shukden, he's a Buddha that is a protector of Dharma. And when you, when you want to like study a little bit more deeply, like it's, I'm just saying this like, I'm explaining it in a really bad way. If there's someone no, that I'm studies I'm Buddhism out there, maybe it's gonna be like, this is how I'm following. But, um, so yeah, I'm trying to explain it in an easy way. Like if you wanna, if you're like, oh my God, I'm ready to like learn a little bit more, take more lessons. I'm going to, going to tune into the mind of Dorje Shugden, the protector of Dharma to, so that's how it works. You know, it's like different Buddhas, different mindsets, different meditations. And it's not like, oh, so January, I'm gonna do Green Tara. And then February, I'm going to do Avalokiteshvara. Like, it's not like you plan it like that. In a way, when you start like doing your practice, they start like appearing to you, like you just feel it. And the way that I started in Buddhism was Green Tara. That's why she's like my Jidam, you know, like my Buddha, like the one that I, the one that has like the biggest statue in the middle of my shrine, because that's how I connected. There's people that start with a completely different Buddha, you know? And then, yeah, when you start practicing, like for example, there's, this, there's, there's empowerments that it's practices where, I mean, I can talk hours about Buddhism, but there's Sutra and there's Tantra. Everybody in the Western thinks that Tantra has to do with sex. There is a kind of Tantra that has to do with sex, but Tantra is just a kind of study and meditation where you embody like the, the, the Buddhas. Oh, okay. So like you can, had super complicated. I thought it almost had, and I could be off, maybe because it is, I'm thinking of it from like the sex perspective. I thought it was like a, energy thing almost like a yeah there's a, that kind like of electricity tantra. almost that is that kind of trend there is a tantra there's books of like tantra and there's like two people having sex in the cover like yeah there is a type of practice that's called tantra that's tied with sexual with sexuality but there also there is also another type of tantra which i think it's a completely different thing that is just uh another s step into how to study buddhism like 
Buddha, Buddha taught Sutra and Tantra, like two different pathways that get together in... To sort of tie them together, uh, the artist that you become that you won't speak about is Del, Delmar? Delamer. Delamer, my, all right. My gallery. <laughs> so Delamer, selfie, uh, selfie you, uh, green Tara, um, you loving costumes and Halloween. Are these different versions of yourself? Like, what, what do you, why do you think you're interested in sort of portraying your art in this way? Like, you embody the thing that you're doing. I, I, I mean, I, I would be lying if I, if I said no. I mean, maybe there, it's not like that deliberate. Maybe it's not like that intentional. Um, maybe with Green Terror it is, but every time like I do, I do a, a costume, I, I would be lying if I would say that, um, that I'm not trying to do different versions of myself. I am, but again, it's not like I sit down and, and like, oh, I'm going to do this version of myself. I'm going to do this version of myself. You know, it's like, it's more ab abstract. Like it just comes. And if we, if you, if we want to tie that into Buddhism, when we are, when, when, when we're meditating with a Buddha at the end of the day, learning his mantra and learning like how is the way that his mind operates in a way we are transforming into that Buddha. And at the end of the day, what we want to accomplish is to become that Buddha. No. Oh. Yeah, let me, okay. I'm gonna go down a couple, of, go on a few tangents here. But these were things I was thinking about in relation to all of these projects where you are embodying something, right? So the first is that um, I think it's the reason why people love Halloween. It's the reason why people get high. It's the reason why people love watching like Marvel movies because they put themselves into the place of that character. Why they love following famous people on Instagram. Uh, it's the reason why people role play. It's like all of these things is because we get so caught up in like the mundane aspects of adulthood. I don't know if it's just American adulthood or if it's just adulthood in general, but it's like it's the taxes, the, the 40 plus hours a week job that we want to put ourselves into another life sometimes. So that's one reason I think, like, you know, like I said, why people get high, why do people drink so much? They escape for a little while, right? That's the point. I mean, at the end of the day, we all want to take a break from our mind. There. Yeah. We all want to take a break from our mind. And almost take which a break. We can never do that. Take a break from the you. So, okay. Like, the me at work is not the me that's sitting here with you right now, right? So, like, I think sometimes the you that you have to put out to the world takes effort and can be exhausting. So, like, why do people drink? Like, it lowers your inhibitions and you can be relaxed and be whoever, right? Um, so, that was sort of like one thing that came to my mind in in seeing these projects. Another thing, and this is like really a, maybe a crazy tangent, but I'm sure you're familiar with the idea that some people say that there are parallel universes or multiple versions of you. There's even the, and I'm not smart enough to explain like the quantum physics that maybe supports this idea, but the idea of infinite universes and that like every conceivable uh, version of you that you can think of exists, right? Um, I'm not smart enough to think about that, uh, to not think about it. I'm not smart enough to explain that with science, right? With, you're not smart enough. It's not like your subject. Okay, sure. Thank you. I appreciate that. Let's not be mean to myself because nonviolence to yourself is a Buddhist practice. I'm learning this. My partner right now is training to be a yoga teacher and we're working on these things. Wow. It's the niyama. Uh, but 
All right, and this is why I was thinking about this. When I was in Taiwan, I saw in Taipei City, I saw these signs that said, stop China from harvesting organs. And I was like, what in the world is that? So the other day I'm at the gym and I'm on the bike and I'm just like reading news articles and there's this news article about the Chinese Muslims, uh, ethnically the Uyghurs, I think is the correct pronunciation, and I've known that for a while they've been horribly persecuted, that they're being put into work camps and things like that. But I was reading about how there's these reports now that live people, live Uyghurs, they're harvesting people's organs. The you know, Chinese government is harvesting their organs, right? I can't substantiate that. I've never been there to see that, but it's the article I read. And I'm reading that. I'm like, that is literally like a hell on earth. That's like out of the movie Saw or Hostel or something like really just so bizarre and awful that I, I couldn't even conjure up thinking about that. But that is a reality that exists here in the world. Now, I went from the gym to Sweet Green to have a salad with my girlfriend who was on break. And they're sitting there talking about yoga, eating salads. Multiple healthy practices so far removed from that yoga experience. So then I'm walking home and I'm like pissed off a little bit from work and stuff like that. And I'm listening to Obi Trice maybe is, he had some like cheesy comical songs back in the day when he was like affiliated with D12 and Eminem, but he has this song Average Man that I think is like just really hard, like really tough, right? But he's speaking of reality of like, uh, and he's you know, talking about his gun a lot in the song, right? So this oh is God, like... I'm dying to analyze that song. <laughs> okay. But, but this is about. now like a guy in Detroit showing his masculinity and his toughness through having a gun, right? And I'm walking through my neighborhood where I live. It's entirely Hasidic. My building is entirely Hasidic. Um, and it's during the Sabbath. It was Saturday. Um, and I walked past the building where all these Hasidic men were singing praise, right? A completely different reality from all those. So, like, all that to say, we think about this idea that, wow, there might be multiple universes, multiple realities existing at once. When if you stop for a second and think about how supremely strange it is that we live such utterly different realities here, those four juxtaposed against each other have, are so different from each other that. We're living quite in a quite tangible way, uh, totally different realities at once. So that was something I was thinking about as I was preparing for this conversation with you, like these different versions of you existing within like the earth today. Uh, I don't know, maybe that no, <laughs> that in itself is a psychedelic thought, maybe. But um, that's super. Yeah. That's super interesting because, I mean. All those different realities, I mean, how many realities do we have in ourselves? And we still are so tied up to like one reality. Like, what do I mean? And this is hard, I'm not, I'm not an expert on this at all, I wish. But for example, like one day you can like wake up in the morning and um, be super sad because you're bankrupt and You, you're like, oh my God, how am I gonna pay the rent? And you're like super stressed about this. And then like in an hour, you um, go and check your, your bill of the lottery and you just like won like all these dollars and you're like, oh my God, I'm not bankrupt anymore, you know, from being like a poor man in a second, I'm a billionaire, you know? And you're like, woo, celebrating with your wife and you plan like this trip and whatever, right? And then 
in the afternoon you go to the bathroom and you feel that you have like a little like lump, right? And then the next day you go and check and they tell you that you have cancer. Mm -hmm. So then what happened with the poor man? What happened with the, I won the lottery with a trip and the, you know? So I feel that there's like many realities happening there. So we can, if you tie yourself only to like the poor man, if you tie yourself only with a vacation, if you tie yourself only with a lottery, if you tie yourself only with a lump, then of course like your life could be like either amazing or horrible. But the truth is that there's so many different um, textures in our life, you know? And I think that that's how we, we should like, analyze stuff but what we do is we just like get so tied up in one thing that we think that that's our reality so then we have we go through like five emotions five completely different emotions the same day mm -hmm. and that happens all the time because we're super tied up in like these minds that take us to either misery or complete like excitement you know yeah it's really interesting i listened to edward norton on a podcast the actor on a podcast recently I believe it was this conversation he had, but he was talking about how there's certain actors that like to play like the tough guy thing because that's what they envision themselves as, like in their heads. But in a way, it was almost because Edward Norton has played so many different like eccentric roles. Uh, I almost envy that in a sense because that person gets to almost explore all those different things that might be within them. Uh, and then return to themselves afterwards. Because, you know, a movie takes months and months and months to make. Yes. Meryl um, Streep as well, no? Like, Meryl Streep is like... Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, right, right. So, yeah, I would just use him as an example, but of course. Um, so, yeah, I guess, and to tie it back to you, like, that's sort of what I was thinking, because you do fully get into character with some of these. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I just thought that was really cool. There's an amazing documentary that I super recommend that it's um, I, called Jim and Andy, and it's all oh, the experience of... Oh, hell yeah, uh-huh. Of, um, I, why am I forgetting names? Jim, Carrey. Jim Carrey, yeah. Yeah, um, all the experience of Jim Carrey when he was making the movie A Man of the Moon mm -hmm. um, about Andre Kaufman's life. Mm -hmm. Like, somebody recommended me that film when I was doing, when I was planning all my De La Mer character. And I was blown away. That's like another... Yeah. That's, yeah. He went so far into the... Everybody should watch it. Yeah, yeah you should. I think it's all on Netflix. Yeah. He went so far into the method acting that he almost in a scary way became uh, Andy Kaufman on like after they would cut like behind the scenes on the set. Yeah. Uh, he would no, eat it. In such a scary way that when he died, people didn't believe he was dead. That's wild. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I guess you I mean that all ties into sort of like, and again, like I think that's what's what's cool about art is like, I I can go like down like uh, a wild rabbit hole of thought just by like seeing these different projects that you're working on. No, I think you. It's an yeah. exploration. It's I'm super grateful and fortunate that I have the, the opportunity to do this, and there's and really like I don't take it for granted a second. Like, I can't do this because life put me in a place where I could. I mean, maybe I would be in another place where I would have to be feeding, like, figuring out how to feed a child, you know, or, like, going through, like, an illness or, like, maybe not having the resources to be doing art in one of the best cities in the world, you know? So, like, there's a lot of things that I, that I think about and I don't take for granted at, at all. What role does fear play in it? Because I, I, I would think... 
you know, let's say with, with the Green Terror, like you're on the subway, uh, like some of your body's exposed. Mm -hmm. Like, will people, you know, it's the subway where there's sometimes there's a lot of strange people. Like, are people going to react negatively to this person dressed in green? Or like, do you think about that at all? With Green Terra, like, it's been easy, honestly. With Green Terra, like, people have reacted in a... People have reacted in a very positive way. I mean, it's also it's also New York City. Like it would be That's interesting true, to do. Yeah. It would be interesting to do New York's. It would be interesting to do Green Terra in another city. From all my characters, I think that Green Terra is the one that I've less explored as an mm. art project, and it's the one that I've most explored as a real life project. Like it's one of my main meditations, you know. But as an art project, I haven't really gone gone through that. It would be interesting to see what what would be doing what would be to do Green Terra in in another. In another place, I have never done that. So yeah, I haven't had like a lot of trouble with with a lot of trouble with that. Like I've had more trouble with the selfie project, for sure. So I don't know if it's fair to ask if you have like a mission statement because I would assume that a lot of things are very personal. Like so, like this podcast, I guess, is a form of creativity. Part of it's super selfish. I like now have done 100 plus, what, 100, this is like 135, 135 episodes, and now I know 135 amazing people from around the world that I can call a friend, and like now I can go see your art gallery, and that's a very selfish thing. Uh, it depends what's your intention. So, so then, then there's, right, there's the flip side of it, right? And so I, what we were talking about before we were recording, and I've said this a lot on here, is like I want to put people's stories out. So I love when people tell me, oh, I've never been on a podcast before. I'm like, hell yeah. Like, I want to show the world a really diverse range of interesting people in terms of where they're from, their identity, the thing that they do. Uh, I'd love to you know, like use this as a platform for that. Um, I love the exposure that I give, even if 30 people download this, right? Maybe that's 30 people who will get something from this. And maybe they won't hear all of it. Maybe they will hear five minutes. Right. Know, or maybe, yeah. Another thing I think is important that, I don't know if I've talked about this before, but I try to model, I don't know, like I get working in schools and working in high needs districts and things like that. I see kids treat each other so bad. Like, say the worst things to each other. And sometimes part of that is, like, growing up flaming each other, like, learning learning social situations, using teasing as a social tactic. But more and more, I'm seeing it just get, like, worse and worse, the way the, the words people use when they talk to each other and the way they treat each other. And I just try to model, like, hey, here's a way you can be interested in someone. Like, I... I knew you for five minutes before we hit record, right? <laughs> so, like, most of the people that I meet, I don't know. You had stalked me. I stalked you through research, exactly. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I, but it's not the same as meeting someone. Yeah, and so that's another, like, weird sort of benefit, I think, is that I can model people being nice to each other when, and when you know, it's, it's cool and our politicians and our media people and all this, like, talk so much shit on each other. Um, so, yeah, like, that's... That's the part of it where I think like I'm doing some good through this, um, but I wonder if you want people to get something from your art, or if you want to represent something, or if it is just deeply personal and however they interpret it, they interpret it. I mean, of course, that's always open. No, like people are going to interpret art as the way that they are going to interpret it, and I can't really do anything about it. It would be horrible if I wasn't open into like into interpretation I think I mean at the end of the day what I what I would like 
to do with my art is to invite people to look into their own mind. Like that's what that's something that I would love to do through my art, you know, like invite people to and in my artist statement, like that's what I say. At the end of the day is I want people to reflect in their own consciousness. You know, so like all the questions that I throw out with the selfie project, all the meditations that I share through my stream work. I mean, also there's a lot of things about my projects that you do have to like dive a little bit more into. Even the fractals, you know, that's why, I mean, people can think that it's like things that I do are very superficial, which I honestly like don't care, but I understand that they think that because it is in a way. But if you go a little bit deep is when you dis when you realize. So that's why I'm also like super grateful with you that you decided to do this podcast with me, because if I don't have platforms or opportunities to talk about my art, how am I going to explain to someone like what is a selfie project? At the mm. end of the day, people see the selfie project and it's like, oh, well, yeah, she's pretty. So that's why she like puts tattoos of herself on herself and she goes out there and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's really cool, like aesthetically. And that's it. Like that's where they stay. You know, no, like the selfie project was all this like thing that I like jumped into and I dived and all this discovery, you know, and the string installations are like, oh, yeah, it would look amazing in my corner in my house of the Hamptons, you know, just to say like something stupid. And at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, but I made this like doing a meditation where I where every string was tuned into a different mantra and like you know so at the at the end of the day it depends how like as you said it, you know, like the world is going to we're going to find the world interesting depending how much interest we also put in it, you know? Yeah. And we are all going to have a different opinion on it and I've been, I don't want to get too deep into this, but um, for the first time in my life, six months ago, which is not long ago at all, I started to put my nose into politics. I didn't know anything about politics, nothing. And I, I'm going to like say this uh, out loud, this confession, but I have never voted in my life, which is terrible. But the reasons that I haven't done it is because Like once I was, I wasn't old enough. And when I was, I was studying abroad. And now when the elections came, I was here. I mean, of course I could have gone to the embassy and like vote here, mm. which yeah, it's like super irresponsible that I didn't do it. But at the end of the day, there was like this thing inside me that I was like, oh, I'm so glad that I'm not able to vote because I honestly would not have an idea really who to vote for. Like, I feel that a lot of people vote. I mean, it's good that they vote, not that they don't. It's better that they do. But I think that we all, like, take, like, this leap of faith without really knowing. And I was like, I won't, I don't want this to happen to me ever again. Like, if I vote, I have to have strong reasons inside of me. Like, why am I doing what I am doing, mm. you know? Like, I would never get into a heated argument about politics with no one because, honestly, I have no clue still. You know, I think that, like... So, yeah, six months ago, I started um, peeking my nose in, into politics, you know, like what, what, is like a, what is like a socialist mind, a liberal um, mind. Like I started like seeing everything, reading about Trump, reading about Bernie Sanders, reading about AMLO and like all the things that Peña Nieto did. And like, you know, because at the end of the days, we see that like everybody's like, oh, I hate Trump. Yeah, I could tell you that I also hate Trump. Of course, how we're not going to hate that dude. But do we know exactly why do we hate Trump? Yes, he's a racist. He's a sexist. Like, yeah, those are reasons to, to hate the dude. Of course, but like in his politics, like what is he really doing, you know? And I was like, yes, I hate him for those reasons, but I really, really want to know, like why? 
why I hate them or like why I love something. I mean, maybe that's me going a little bit far with, with everything, but I question myself why I really hate something or why I really like something, you know, like both sides of the coin, like knowing why I feel how I feel about something. If I feel a certain way, why do I feel a certain way? And this can be exhausting sometimes. Life is easier than that. But I am the kind of person that loves questioning, questioning, questioning until I hit parts of myself that I discover that that leads me to have a better time when I'm struggling through something, you know? Like, I think that the more that we get to know ourselves, the better, the better we heal and the better we also heal the world, you know? So at the end, through my art, I want people to know that, that we have that responsibility to read, to research, to go deep, to look at ourselves, to look at the world, you know? Because it's super easy to just, like, be looking at everything. There's so much fake news, so much fake news. But maybe if we read all the fake news and all the other news that are not fake, we're gonna like have an opinion of something, you know? And at the end of the day, I relate this again with what we were talking about, that like the world is, like it's, it's, it's made out of like a thousand perspectives and a thousand opinions, you know? That um, Bolivia, you know, that, the, the, that it was really a fraud, the elections. Was it not? Like, do we know for sure? Do right. we know for you could, sure? You could say with Venezuela you know? as well. Huh? You could say that with Venezuela as well. Right? So it's super with Maduro, difficult, yeah. you know? And that's the thing. That's, I don't know why we... <laughs> no, I think that's important and that's a Buddhist practice, right? Like a sober look at things. It's called emptiness. Yeah, yeah it's that's very easy called. to be reactionary to things. I'm the same way, like... I didn't vote for Trump. Like, I didn't, but I wasn't thrilled with either candidate. I just picked the one of the two I thought would be a little bit better. But, like... Which, that's also... That sometimes that's the only option that we have. It's like, let's you, vote for what's going to be a little honestly, bit better, Honestly, that's, that's usually what it is, yeah. You know? But, like, I think that's important, and we don't have to go too far into politics, but to take a sober look at it and be like, all right, well... And I can't tell you the exact number, but there's a percentage, and you could, you could Google this, of Obama voters that voted for Trump. So are all those people racist? No, not likely. I mean, likely a lot of people said, well, this is something different. It's not status quo. We'll vote for this because we'll show our other politicians like we want something new. There's, there's many different nuances to this, but I do think like your point is really important that we need to step back from our initial reaction to things. This is something that the Buddhism through my partner, because I, I wouldn't call myself Buddhist, but uh, she's helped me a lot with is that I went through a period of time as a young person where my guard was always up any, against any sort of authority. And I have largely beat that, but there's echoes of it to where if some, I feel if someone's doing something a little bit bad to me, oh, I'm going to hurt you first before you can get to me. And that's such an ugly way to be. So I'm constantly reacting to things and having to then step back and be like, ooh, okay, that's not the good thing to do. Um, so I think that is an important point and something that is tied to like a Buddhist practice is to have, take a breath. <laughs> take a breath on it. Think about your reaction. Was that right? Do you want to amend it? And at the end of the day, we're looking at the world and we're having opinions, but like at the end of the day, the truth, like what can, what, what can we really do to help the world is work on ourselves. Mm. We can like make, we can make like laws and like have a, a strong opinion about politics and make political art or not political art or spiritual art or like whatever, whatever we want, you know, we're going to, we can do a thousand things, but I think that what's really, really going to make a change 
is if we looked at ourselves and we healed ourselves and if we invested in trying to become a better person. Yeah, I'm with that. <laughs> that's the only thing that's really, really going to save the world. There's nothing else. I mean, at the end of the day, there's a lot of things that will make it better, that will fix other things, you know? I mean, and then we, we can talk about, like, what is samsara, the cycle of suffering, and da da da, da you mm -hmm. know? But at the end of the day, I think it's... My art is a shout-out to everybody to do that investment. Look at yourself. Question yourself. Know why you like stuff. Know why you hate stuff. And if you don't know, know why you don't know, you know? You know? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with you. Um, and... I, would, I think I would be doing the same, I think, even if I was not an artist. I think, my, I think art is just an excuse for me to advocate for those things. Amazing that I can do it through art. That's amazing, you know? Yeah. But if it wasn't art, if it was anything else, anything else, I think I would be advocating for the same thing. If I wanted to become like, I, this is gonna sound stupid, but if I want to like become, if, if, I was a, if I was a doctor, I would be like advocating for the same things, you know? If I was, whatever I would, that I would be doing, I think I would, I would be doing in the sense of I want people to notice that it's super important that we really start working in our consciousness and our mindfulness because it's the only thing that is gonna make this place a better place. That would almost be a perfect way to end this, but I want to bring it home. No, because that's a really good thought. But I want to bring it home to your future is uncertain. You talked about how you've got some visa things to think about. Uh, June will be here before we know it. In the immediate future, in terms of your work and your art and maybe shows or gallery, what, what are you working on? What's going on? So I'm still doing my I'm I'm still doing my string installations, but I permitted myself to explore a little bit more. So that's why I'm like putting paint on them and like, mm, so I'm I see I, yeah yeah I'm in like an, ex, an in an exploration phase that I don't know where it's gonna take me. I'm doing my drawings for the project art residency that I have also like a lot of ideas that I want to do with them after they're done. Print them like in different things and like put paint on them as well and like I have all these ideas so. In terms of work, that is what's happening. I'm super grateful that I found this space, that it's like a great space to work in. Like, yeah. I love this place. Um, and in terms of showing my work, I am showing... I think this is, in my 12 years as an artist, I think this is one of the most, if, if not the most important thing that has happened to me in my art career so far, is I'm going to show one of my string installations in Untitled Art Fair in Miami, the first week Ooh. of December. Cool. That's huge. That's huge for me. I am not going with a gallery because a lot of people is like, oh, what gallery is representing you to be able to show this work and untitled? I'm showing it um, with the help of a great man called Dan Hum. Hi, Dan. If you're hey, Dan. This. Um, and he is, uh, he works for SVA and SVA has, maybe I'm saying it wrong, but as SBA has a booth in Untitled Art Fair and then chose a bunch of people that just graduated from SVA to show our work in Untitled, which I'm super grateful that he chose me because he could have chose anyone else. So I'm showing with him. You told me about Kyle. Uh, 
Um, oh, yes, 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 he, yes, yes. Isn't he showing? Kyle is showing in Satellite Art Fair. Oh, okay. Which I think it's also an awesome... It's in Miami, no? It's in Miami okay. as well. All right. They make... Uh, they make I think Untitled in San Francisco as well. So like different okay. artists like go out in different art um, in different places around the world. And Satellite Art Art Fair, I think it's a great. I don't know if I'm gonna say it right, but it's like like an experimental art fair in a way. Like the show that 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 you would see in Satellite, you wouldn't see it like in other shows in Miami. It's super like experimental, super. Um, gendered open which I love that like it's a very it's it's a very unique art fair that I think that year after year is growing amazingly so Kyle is showing at Satellite Art Fair yeah I'm showing in title so that's what's happening in December I'm showing an untitled and I'm super happy something that I get nervous about is if someone saw my my piece in Miami and they were like oh my god I love this and I want to like buy three more of your pieces like if, if that happened I would say to that person, like, okay, you have to wait for me a year. Because right now, honestly, I don't have I see. new work to, to show. Like, I would be like, I'm, I'm starting a new phase in my life. I'm starting, like, a new group of work. Um, I mean, I would, if someone is like, oh, I want you to do, like, similar piece like that, and I'm going to commission it. Yes, I'm open to commission pieces because, honestly, almost all of us as artists, and especially as, like, immersion artists, we are open to commission pieces because that is what pays our rent. Right. what gives us money, you know. That is what also helps us, like, expand our arts a little bit further. So I would do commission pieces, but, yeah, I don't have, like, that much work right now. So that's happening in December. I am applying to the other art fair, which is at the end of March, which I think is also, like, a great art fair for emergent artists. The applications are open until the 10th of January, so everybody should apply. I could say, like, I'm not going to tell this to anyone because I don't want anyone else to apply because I want to be that art fair, <laughs> but I don't think that way. As an artist, I think that we do have to help our other fellow artists. Cool. Because what's going to be strong is the way that we, um, that, that it's our work that's going to be strong. So there's, like, a lot of artists and a lot of people that are like, no, I don't want to share my contacts. I don't want to share this. I don't want to share that. Because, of course, if, if I'm talking about the other art fair and everybody's going to be applying, the chance for me to be showing there reduces itself. I got you. But what is more important? To support the arts, to support other people, to give the opportunity to other people, or for me to become more famous, more rich, more popular? Like at the end of the day, what is more important is what we're doing for others, how we're helping the world to grow. But nobody thinks that way. So I'm a huge advocate for help your peers. Because at the end of the day, you're gonna be great for your artwork, you're gonna be great for your ideas. And if someone, is looking at two string artists in the other art fair application, and they're like, oh, should we go for a round star? Should we go for this other person? And that other person gets chosen. It's because, it's because that other person had to be chosen, you know? So at the end of the day, I'm a huge advocate for like helping our peers and giving like, I mean, I, it's not like, oh yeah, like everybody, like I'm gonna email you like all my database. Like it doesn't work like that, you know? But, um, but I mean, you know what I mean, you know, like yeah. we should like... It's really... a very Buddhist way of looking at it. Yeah. It is, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I'm showing in Miami, I'm applying for the other art fair, I'm waiting to see if for the fifth time I get accepted to Salon Acme in the beginning of um, the beginning of, of February, that's an art fair that's happening in Mexico, let's see what happens. And uh, cool. there's a few publications and a few magazines, so... 
Yeah. And I'll tell people, we'll link to everything as we always do. So go to the show notes. You can find everything. Uh, you have a really entertaining Instagram. You started doing Insta stories. And I just love, like, I've talked about this with a lot of artist folks. And actually, you should meet Max. Like, Max does these artist portraits. So he goes into studios. He's doing, trying to do a thousand artist portraits over a lifetime of, of his work. Wow. Um, but I love looking at artists pages, especially on Instagram, because it, they're often like a curator. So like you're going to all these shows and you're tagging the people like, this is the artist who did this. And then that's how I can discover all, like, all sorts of awesome new people. So I would recommend people just click on the show notes for this and they'll find the link to your Instagram account and they can find all that stuff. <laughs> I started doing that because of the same thing. I was like, I have to share what's out there. Yeah, other that's awesome. Other people and, and yeah, like why am I going to keep all this to myself? I'm with that. Um, all right, listen, thank you. This was really, really great. Thank you. Really. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. I right. really enjoyed this conversation. Me too. Cheers. Cheers. That is a wrap on episode number 135. That's a good number. Man, I am proud to have put out 135 episodes at this point. It's really exciting, and I hope to keep a lot of cool stuff coming. So, Thank you, as always, for joining me on this ride. Thank you to Aransa for joining me in this conversation. It was really great. It was really great to be hosted in her studio. I love being in artist studios. I don't know. It's always a really cool backdrop for a conversation. Um, so I'm always appreciative when I get to do that. So really cool spot. And thank you again, Voyagers, for tuning in, for sharing this, for leaving ratings, all that stuff goes a long way to getting the word out there to have people joining the TV TV community. All right, folks, as always, please take care of each other. I will catch you next time.